Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped-from-the-headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Today, Crisis Squad member Steve Silton is here. A business and entertainment attorney, Steve helps clients get out or stay out of trouble. It's a tale as old as time. Sometimes you get hot with someone you work with or work for. In some cases, that leads to flirtation. In others, all-out sex or even a relationship. With recent headlines such as TJ Holmes and Amy Robach's extramarital affair causing the two of them to get taken off the air temporarily in December and now permanently as of the end of January. That sex between two consenting adults who were peers. Other cases are more slam dunk illegal, a la Harvey Weinstein. In the case file I call Sex at Work. Steve, the question becomes what's legal, what's not? It's a complicated issue. Lines aren't necessarily really definitive and clear, as with a lot of cases, right? I mean, the reality, anytime you're dealing with kind of human interaction, particularly at work, and frankly, we've had a little bit of respite from this with COVID, where people were working remotely. Sexual harassment somewhat took a... Took a little break. It took a little break, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't surprise me that the first major story was in a newsroom, because that was one of the unique areas where people were at work. Well, as someone who's a former TV reporter myself, I mean, it's a fast-paced industry. There are a lot of good-looking people, close relationships with your co-anchors, other reporters, photographers. I can see how, in that environment, attractions can fly. Any work environment kind of can, attractions can fly. Anytime you put two people together. Any kind of where maybe they're single, maybe they're not. I mean, it happens. So I think that our listeners really understand this kind of stuff happens. And a big reason why I wanted you to take us through this is because not everyone is at a network news organization or a high-profile thing like the movie industry. There's regular places of work. What should people know The easiest place to start is on the spectrum where everybody can see the absolute illegality of it. And the Harvey Weinstein is probably a good place to start, where you have two things. Number one, you have a disparity in power, right? You have one party who has significantly more power in a relationship, and you have exploitation. But somebody says, listen, this is part of what I expect. Almost like a threat. It was a threat. Not almost like a threat. It was a threat. So that's clear. I like that you said that. It was a threat. And that's clear. A judge will see that. A jury will see that. And that actually is not only on the civil side. Those were great civil cases. But is on a criminal side. As we all know, Harvey Weinstein is in jail for the rest of his life. What he did was criminal sexual assault. Morally and legally wrong. Morally and legally wrong. Then, of course, you can kind of look on the other end where you've got essentially two individuals of equal status in a company where they're working together. Neither of them has any authority or control over each other. They develop a relationship outside of the workplace, and one thing leads to the other. Obviously, it's not criminally improper, but it's it's not civilly improper, either for them 
or for their company that has an obligation to supervise them. So it's neither criminally wrong or civilly wrong. But it could be ethically wrong. It could be morally wrong. And it could be socially wrong. Because in the case of TJ and Amy, reports have been that their colleagues internally were trying to get these people to quit it, stop it. And, you know, finally, it rose to a temporary removal and now a permanent parting. I don't know the specifics of this particular case. And it's possible that one was of a higher They were pretty much equal. There was nothing where they broke any kind of contractual or workplace type of rule that I am aware of. They might have, right? Contractually, they might have been prohibited from dating anyone at their company. And that I think that that would have come out. I do. And that used to be the case in law firms where, you know, and listen, this is tale as old as time, right? People meet at work, they fall in love, they get married, they live happily ever after. There's a lot of stories to that effect. And again, we were talking prior to the show and work is a very unique place where you can find suitable mates. And you spend a lot of time at work. And you get to know somebody, right? And you get to see what somebody's like and and what their personality is and and what they're like under pressure, all the things that you want to essentially judge in a potential partner. I used to have a much more kind of categorical view of this, which is you don't date anybody at work. That being said, I'm older now, right? I, you know, meeting someone is one of the most important decisions anybody makes. And if you meet someone in the workplace, I don't think anyone should discount them categorically, particularly if they're both single, just because they met at the workplace. That doesn't mean it won't have personal consequences. Right. right? Especially if either or both parties are married, there are children involved, those kinds of things. So let's talk about that scrutiny, you know, whether it's your coworkers your family. This is a really hard thing to keep secret. I mean, my guess is it just really weighs on people if they are trying to. And then they also start to make sloppy mistakes and it slips up. And that's what happened to our our TV pair here. Right. I mean, it's hard to keep kind of love under wraps forever, right? I mean, eventually it's going to come out, right? And they probably want it to come out. I mean, you know, when you fall in love with someone, you want to share it with your friends and your family. And that becomes very, very, very difficult to keep quiet. Eventually it's going to come out. It is. So you've given us a really nice compare and contrast from the very clearly illegal, immoral, ethically terrible, civilly and criminally responsible and illegal with Harvey Weinstein to the two consenting adults over here where there's no civil or criminal liability. What is your recommendation as someone who definitely understands employment law? If someone were to come to you, and I know you're usually working with businesses and brands, but let's say, you know, an individual at one of these businesses, I mean, I'm thinking about WWE and Vince McMahon and, you know, he got booted for some sexual mishaps and settlements being paid to women he was cheating on his wife with or had possibly sexually harassed. And now he wants back in. What would your advice be to someone like that who comes to you in confidence and says, Steve, you know, this has happened. What should I do? My guess is you tell them, stop doing whatever you're doing, first and foremost. But what's the reality check here? There's kind of two different kind of categories here. If I'm counseling a CEO or a high-level executive, I'm telling them that unless this is absolute true love, stay away. Don't date anyone in your firm or your company because there's real liability in everyone you date. That is firmly in the middle. And that's great advice. Most often... I'm dealing with executives who are working with issues within their company. So they've got two people who wound up dating. You know, maybe they're engaged or at least their relationship's public. And how do you deal with that? It's a complicated issue because it's difficult to determine who, if you are going to break them up, if there's a policy in-house that two people can't date, how do you decide who has to leave? Do you you leave the option to them? You can't fire someone for discriminatory reasons. It is a complicated issue. Can you move them to a different boss? Because that's where I get 
the most discomfort is when you hear there's a boss in a relationship with a subordinate. Usually that's completely against policy anyway, but let's say it happens. Can you just move them out of that reporting structure if one of the people won't leave the company? I think you're stuck in a situation where, and again, I'm a, I'm a general business lawyer. I work with employment specialists all the time. I get calls on these on a daily basis. Those are the type of super complicated issues that I would bring in specialists and we would sit down and we would really work through all the issues. Without a doubt, the employment handbook prohibits those relationships. That is a relationship which violates both of their contracts. Both of them would probably be subject to termination, particularly nowadays where it's hard to replace employees. And if you have longtime employees, you have relationships with them. They've done legally nothing wrong, even though they violated their contracts with the company. It gets very, very complicated. And it's one of those horribly nuanced situations, right? It's like anytime you go into a doctor, the last thing you want to hear is, ooh, that's an interesting type of deal. That's the same thing with a lawyer. So what I would say is someone who advises those C-suite executives and maybe they have that happening in their part of the organization, my general advice, and I'm really not trying to be flip, is if you are going to date at work, date completely a different part of the company where there's no chance that person could be your boss, your employee. The lines are drawn. Correct. As you know, people can start out as equals and one can get promoted, essentially, as a superior. And I mean, and it happens, you know, I mean, it just happens. But just sort of good general personal and business practices. Uh, What are you seeing as far as this law goes? Is anything opening up in the law or do you think this sexual harassment law and just other things connected to sexual harassment law are actually getting tougher after kind of the Harvey Weinsteins of the world. Listen, I think the obvious misconduct is now being brought into light, right? I mean, the Harvey Weinstein, the, one of the biggest tragedies of that is that that went on knowingly for decades where you had Uma Thurman publicly saying, and again, Uma Thurman, a, a class A star, also came from a billion dollar family, by the way an heir to the Schlumberger fortune. So this was somebody who came from power and existed in power and still was a victim, was publicly talking about Harvey Weinstein for years before he was. So maybe the reporting, the Me Too movement, I know there were some possibly innocent people that got caught up in that, but in general, that's been action forward and positive movement forward for victims to come. I do think the abuse by Historically, there have always been men by these high-powered men in positions of power with exactly operating impunity. That hopefully is over. Now, I think you're going to see things kind of pop up over time, but it's going to be much less, and people are going to be much more willing to come forward. And, you know, you immediately, this whole Me Too movement, you have an immediately backlash on workplace dating. <laughs> but, you know, you, you can't stop love, right? The re, You know, you just, you just can't. Human nature. That's the quote hum, from Steve. You can't stop love. Human nature marches on. So the reality is people are going to date at work. And, and you definitely can't always stop sex. I mean, like, love and sex sometimes do different things. That's true. That's true. Both of those are, <laughs> will continue, we'll continue to exist in society and at work. Listen, this whole kind of hybrid employment makes it more complicated, right? While you don't have the interaction as much, you also don't have the supervision. So you're not seeing, like, supervisors used to, you know, listen, why are they spending so much time in each other's office? Why are they taking lunch breaks together? You don't see that now. Why is the closet all messed up? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, you are like Randy today, Machini. You are Randy today. I'm a crisis strategist. I've seen it all. I've heard Mm -hmm. about it all. Uh Not saying I've done it all. I'm just saying. It's out there, Steve. And on the crisis files, we don't shy away from any of this stuff. But the point you're making is actually a good one. While the legal implications of this is significant, the crisis implications, the communications issues, frankly, are more important 
because a lot of the factors in the legal analysis here is how is it going to upset the office culture? Right. And the thing is, we've covered a lot of ground today. This case file is called sex at work, but we have also brought in the sexual harassment. So some of this has to do with harassment. That is a wrong thing. We absolutely do not want that to happen. So anyone out there who's listening, we want to hopefully empower you to be the one to get some legal advice, go to HR, whatever the case may be in your organization, if something bad like that is happening to you. We were really more focusing today on those consensual or when it it is not a harassment situation, how do we empower people? But from what you've given us, Steve, which you always give us more than we ask for, you're helping all of our listeners no matter where they fall in this. Well, thank you. No, it's an interesting topic and people are on all sides of this. They're impacted both as people who go to work and maybe fall in love as people who are a part of those kind of issues and observe those issues. And obviously, if you're in a supervisory role, it's very, very complex. And it's one of those, you know, we're not going to stop it. So we'll just keep managing it. And lucky for people like you and me, it does lead to uh, to legal and communication issues. Yes, and, and keeping us employed. So we always right. appreciate that. Anything that keeps me employed is a good thing. <laughs> Steve Silton is our Crisis Squad member. He helps us in the areas of law and those technical details that can get people in trouble. He helps clients get out or stay out of trouble. This Crisis Brief brought to you by Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one, understand the power dynamic. If it's unequal, actions could be illegal. Number two, just because something is legal doesn't mean it's ethical. And number three, for employers, make sure relationship and sexual harassment policies are clear. But note, they will not always apply to every circumstance. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mplschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to my podcast co-producers, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music and Kim Inslee. Catch up on all our case files. Go to thecrisisfiles.com for our archive plus special videos there. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.